Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Well, hey, welcome to California Haunts Radio tonight. It's a nice Wednesday night. No rain here in California, so... It's quite nice outside, so I spent some time outside. I want to welcome everybody here. My name is Charlotte. I'll be your host for the next hour or so. we got a great show lined up for you tonight. I think you're going to like it. Um, just a quick reminder, if you're watching from YouTube and you actually like what you see while you're watching the show, there is a little uh, ghost down in the right-hand corner that has a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. That is the way to subscribe to the show because we have you know not only people like it, Nice people like Kelly on, but we also have others on as well that you might be interested in hearing. So uh, if, if you if, if you like what you see tonight, please subscribe. Please subscribe. My name is Charlotte. I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. We're based out of Sacramento, California. You can find us at www.californiahaunts.org. But the radio show, another mouthful, is at californiahauntsradio.com. And that has all our archives going back. In fact, it's going to go back a lot further, but going back for the last year and a half since we, since we, since we, since since we switched to this particular format. However, I am starting to archive all our blog talk shows. We were on blog talk for almost 15 years, so it's uh, quite the job. But I've got just about the first year archived. So in about a month or so, you'll be able to get on there and maybe go back two or three. You know, go go back to the very beginning of, of when the show started, way back when. Tonight, we have a great guest, Kelly Sullivan Walden, known as the Dream Doctor. Um, I heard her on another show, and I was really, really impressed. And uh, she was talking about you know, people that had premonitions leading up to the, to the uh, pandemic. And so we're going to be talking about that, plus other dream stuff as well. I know dreams are a big topic for people. People are fascinated by them, and I'm no, I'm no different. You know, I mean, after my... Um, after my seventeen-year-old uh, Kelpie passed away, she came to me within a day after she passed, in a dream, to show me that she was okay. You know, so this stuff happens. But I'm really excited to have her on. So without further ado, I'm going to bring her in. Hello. Hi, Charlotte. So good to be with you. Oh, I feel that it's great to have you on. You were just talking about your dog. And yes. I, my, my Lola, um, a Chewini, she's, I had, she was about 18 as well. And she just passed and I had an amazing dream about her actually the night she was, that she was in the process of passing and it was extraordinary. She took off her dog suit and oh. revealed the cosmos and it was like, Oh my God. So I, it helps me. It heals my heart because I miss her so much. And when did your dog Kelpie pass? About, let's see, it's been about maybe two, two and a half, three weeks. Oh, wow. Really fresh. You know what? That's, whew. But she came right away. I was shocked because my other one that passed that I had for a long time, it took her like two or three weeks before she came, but this one came the, the, the day after. Well, you were receptive and yeah, I guess we're so she, lucky. I, yeah. I guess I was closer to her than I thought. <laughs> yeah. So Lola was there to greet her. Perhaps she was part of the welcoming committee. She passed felt, about. People don't realize it felt so good because I was so distraught over it. 
and the feeling of relief after I saw her was just incredible, you know, because she was healthy and mm. it was yeah. too brief though. It's never long enough. Well, here's the thing though, in dream time, it's a totally different kind of time. I mean, the time is, I mean, it, what seems like a, a flash in this reality is a parallel universe on the other side that goes on and on and it never stops. So even if we just get a flash, we're lucky because that's, we can ride that wave for years, for centuries, yeah. for lifetimes. And just to get that little teeny glimpse can be totally transformative. Some people don't ever remember a dream like that ever, no matter how much they love the person that passed. So consider yourself really blessed that you got that for both of your dogs. I would, yeah, I do because she, she was a rescue. She had issues. I understood she had issues. We had our moments. That's why I, <laughs> I can relate to that. I was kind of wondering, you know, at the end, is she going to come back or not to see me? Because, you know, I wasn't Issues. sure of what our what our relationship was, but apparently it was better than I thought. It was really good. You oh, know. So it was oh. a huge relief when I saw her. Yeah, it's a big deal taking on the, those rescues. They need a lot of extra love and care. And I think they're special angels. Yeah. <laughs> One of my friend called her um, a pain in the, you know, arse. And I said, yeah, well, she's my pain in the arse. It's okay. Right. No. that's that's exactly true i can relate to that my last three dogs were all rescues to some degree lola was my stepdaughter misha's dog and and she had to move into a place that didn't allow dogs so i got to be like the grand the dog ma the grand dog ma <laughs> <laughs> and um so and misha by the way is very much into this topic about haunts haunting and there she works go. at the at the la police museum i don't know if i told you that no. um where they have lots of hauntings they there's all been all kinds of paranormal shows that have come to visit her because she's the one that the ghosts communicate with most directly so she's much in the media these days and the LA police museum is a place where they have all Manson's files and Marilyn Monroe's files. Oh, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff attached to that stuff, boy. Yeah. It's loaded over there. You'll have to maybe talk to her one of these days. She's incredible. Talk to her and go over there to investigate. That'd be kind of cool. Oh yeah. You know, just, just be careful. Put on your armor or not. If you're, if you're open to that. There's a lot of nasties in there. Yep. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's tell everybody about you so they get to know you before we get started. Sure. Okay. What do you want to know? <laughs> well, one, 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 one doesn't just wake up one morning and go, I'm the dream doctor. So how, right. how, does, one, how does one become the dream doctor? Well, the funny thing is, is um, so dreams were a really important part of my life early on. I have four sisters, my sister closest to me in age, Shannon. We shared a bedroom growing up and we often would share our dreams when we woke up in the morning and we would discover on many occasions that we had been in the same dream, that we experienced similar circumstances that were only in the dream that weren't, that had nothing to do with our waking reality. So that's called tandem dreaming, I later found out. And we still have a very strong dream connection all these years later. But there was, um, when I was younger, I just paid attention to my dreams and I noticed that they gave me an edge on, on what was coming up, kind of a preview of coming attraction. I, it was kind of tumultuous 
in my early days, mostly I'm just grateful that social media didn't exist back then because I don't think I would have survived it because I was seriously bullied and like death threats on a semi-regular basis and it would have been horrible. But my dreams gave me some insight about who was bullying me, about the boys that I liked, about the the, the circumstances I was in. So I felt like I had a confidence, even though it was pretty horrible what I was living through. There was, my dreams gave me a lot of insight. And then it wasn't until I was, I got in my twenties and I went into Hollywood and I was an actress for a while. And for whatever reason, I became much more enamored of the, the world outside the the outer dream that I sort of lost track of the more subtle internal dream. And at some point in my mid twenties, I just wanted off the planet. It was, it's like I, my dreams, I didn't realize at the time, but they were very much a connection for me to be connected to my soul, my spirit. And when I let go of that or didn't value that, it's like, it kind of got harder and harder to connect with. And pretty soon I felt like the cord just snapped and I was untethered and and paid the price for that. But I didn't exit the planet officially. I dove into every spiritual modality I could, every form of therapy and 12-step program, a hypnotherapy. I, I eventually became a hypnotherapist and I started to get my dreams back. And when they came back, they came back with a vengeance. They had fangs. They were pretty gnarly and and I had a therapist that was wonderful that said some, you know, because you'd been suppressing your dreams for so long, they, it's like what you resist um, must persist and what you, what you repress must express. And I had repressed for so long that they came out with a vengeance. So she said, you are the co-director of your dream. So a nightmare is an unfinished dream. It's up to you to to finish these dreams in a way that gives you your power back. And that conversation mm -hmm. was the turning point of everything for me because I started learning how to work with my dreams sometimes while I was sleeping in a lucid state, but often more often than not in a waking state where I was remembering the dream. And I realized I could either in my journal or in my mind, I could take what was happening in the dream that was so terrifying and I could change it some, I could, I could pause who was, who was chasing me and I could interrogate them. I could put them behind bars and I could ask them the questions, turn, turn the tables basically on them and not let the dream be over until I felt at least okay. But the goal was to feel like empowered. So mm -hmm. I started doing that for myself. And then when I started to see clients as a hypnotherapist, I, people started coming to me with their, with their dreams and a lot of them nightmares. And I was excited about their nightmares because I knew how transformational working on nightmares was for me. So I offered them what I had been taught and I added my own zhuzh to it and I kept, and my own creativity. And and I kind of became known as the nightmare whisperer unofficially. And when my first book came out, my book called I Had the Strangest Dream, the Dreamer's Dictionary for the 21st Century, I started to do media. And I kind of, even though I had left acting behind, I was back in media, but this time as myself. And it was like, oh, and some, there was a reporter that dubbed me the dream doctor. 
And um, they actually, no, they said, you're Dr. Dream. And they said it on online and out loud. And so people started calling me that. So I didn't just wake up one day and be the dream doctor. (laughs) I, it was, it took a little bit, a few steps, but once that person kind of gave me that title, it was like, oh, well, okay. Then other people started calling me that and the rest is history. I've written 10 books on the subject and keep on writing about it. And the more I get into it, the deeper and more passionate I become. That is awesome. That's really awesome. Now, I, you know, I, I was having nightmares you know, before the pandemic started. Mm. It seemed like my level of nightmare. I mean, was the universe getting ready for this? I mean, is that what it was? Because I know I started to have more and more weird, weird dreams and, and nightmares the closer we got to, 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 you know, to the main part of the pandemic. Oh, interesting. Well, in a from a shamanic perspective, it's believed that we dream everything before it happens. And I, I tend to believe that doesn't mean that we can necessarily always do something to change it. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, we can position ourselves so that it's not so devastating when it comes so that we can at least I mean, a little bit of foresight helps us to feel like we're we're connected to something higher at the very least. And then we can kind of position ourselves. So our nightmares are never meant to just torture us. They're all, every single dream, even the terrifying ones are trying to give us some kind of a gift. They're trying to help us preserve our life. And in some instances, even show us how to release some baggage and not be so terrified so that we can live more productive lives. So I think the people that are really in the know, like yourself, Mm -hmm. um, probably did have some premonitory dreams before the pandemic. My sister had an interesting perspective, like just on the brink of the pandemic. I mean, a lot of people were saying actually, and some people may hate me for saying this, but I'll I'll risk and say it anyway. But it seemed like the war we were coming, we were moving towards like a world war three, right? Um, like some, we were moving towards a pre- the precipice of something radical and it had been predicted that it's coming. It's not just the 11th hour. It's the final, like we're in it. This is it. And my sister got this kind of message in her dream that the pandemic is a much more gentle world war three. So we're in world war three, but it's more gentle than it would be if truly bombs were falling on us right now. So even though COVID sucks and there's been so many people that have died and been horribly sick and it's been an, it's been an awful nightmare, but it's a, it's Disneyland compared to what it would be if truly we were like nuking each other right now. Do you think that a lot of the, I mean, did you you see a rise like, like among your clients with premonitions to COVID? Um, well, there's my own clients and and then there's there's a study that's being done that's been okay. Dr. Deidre Barrett has been um, she, for years. She's been tracking dreams that happen around major world events like around 9-11 and um, the, the Iraqi war and okay. um, other other instances as well. And she's been able to and she's a Harvard dream expert. And she's been able to scientifically in a very, in a controlled environment, receive thousands and thousands of dreams from people all over the world that are, that are coronavirus um, oriented. And, and they've been able to see all kinds of themes and track 
people, I mean, people all over the place. And so it's an interesting time because it just keeps going. It's not like a one day event, like nine 11 was a one day event and right. there were dreams that happened before and during and after, but with right. this, they've been able to see that, yes, there were dreams that happened before, during, and were still during. Um, but one of the, one of the themes was about bugs, about lots of chasing, lots of people getting sick, staying people, having to push people away that were trying to get them. So these are typical nightmare scenarios, but they seem to have a more distinct characteristic, a lot of contagion, um, even people wearing those, those masks, kind of the, um, can't think of what they're called. They were the, like those Victorian um, masks, the, the plague masks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a lot of these kind of themes that, that were happening before. And then of course, during, and I know one of the themes for me that this is more of a during um, has been around like thinking like about being in a social situation and suddenly realizing it's not safe to be social and, right. and being on the brink of hugging somebody and then realizing, Oh my God, no, no, no. And, and having to push people away. Right. So we're, it's like our dreams are trying to train us to adapt to this circumstance. We can't just be the, the way that we were before. And also, I think there's also a whole theme of precognitive dreams, as well as dreams that we're having during this mm-hmm. this pandemic about people figuring out ways to heal these bugs ways way to keep, like bugs that show up in a dream are very much kind of a symbolic of the the illness of mm-hmm. you know catching the virus mm-hmm. and being able to overcome it being able to stomp them out being able to I mean some people have had some strange um, elixirs and um, different different remedies to be able to cure the disease, but, and some of them might actually cure them. I mean, somebody had her, her kitten. It was like the kitten saliva was like the cure. And there's just been strange things oh. like this, that it's a little creepy, but <laughs> a, little creepy. a little cute, cute and creepy. So, but there's, there's, it's, it's good to know that people were not alone. Our subconscious minds are linked. We're all adapting to these strange new times and our subconscious mind is working overtime through our dreams to help us find a way to to survive this and hopefully in some of us to even thrive during this time why is it do you think um you know before a major event like that people do start to have dreams i mean is it just something that did the universe like i said is the universe throwing it out there for us because i mean we're all born with psychic abilities right correct yeah, and you know, as we get older, they kind of get buried. So, I mean, when major events happen, is that the universe kind of reaching out to those abilities to show us in advance what's going to happen? Yeah, I think that. I mean, it. We all have the ability to to tap into things that happen before they actually do. I'm, I mean, Einstein is known and famous for saying that time is relative to the observer, past, present. And future, it's it's really all happening simultaneously. So what what we're referring to as the future, is um, it's a non-local event, but it's 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 a parallel plane that we could tap into. In fact, even past lives is kind of a misnomer. It's it's on some level it's concurrent. There there's multiple simultaneous realities that we are living in as we speak. And in order to have language that tries to make sense of these things, we point 
in one direction and that's the future and in another direction that's the past and and but but really that's just a very it's kind of like the dial up internet version of what we're what we're possible what's possible for us to be able to relate to if we were really operating at our maximum capacity we would definitely feel like we were in a hologram that we there that past present future it's all together so when we're dreaming uh, before an event happens on some level we're dreaming about something that is happening mm-hmm. and at the very least we are being coded to prepare ourselves so that we can figure out how how to problem solve so that we can we can better survive the circumstances and it's and if you look at any if i mean if you were to track any difficult thing you've ever gone through and you were had been tracking all of your dreams, you would notice that right before those things happened, there was some kind of a dream, even if it wasn't exactly showing you what was about to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Your dreams were trying to give you something to help you cope. I have a strange example of this. I don't know if you're open to hearing a, Go for a strange example. I mean, this is like kind of ridiculous, but this is a very Hollywood example. But I had the opportunity to interview Monica Potter. She's um, a famous actress. She was in she was in the television show Parenthood, and she was nominated for a Golden Globe. And it was the night before, and I get the chills as I'm saying this, even though it's a very Hollywood story, but. Um, she was, this was the first big award. She'd gotten a lot of big parts. She had been in the movie Patch Adams. She'd been in a lot of, a lot of them, Shakespeare in Love and all kinds of other things. But this was the first big award that she was being nominated for. And the night before her dream, I mean, the night before the event, the Golden Globes, her father, who had passed about a year before, came to her in her dream and said, honey, I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. But I got to let you know, you're not going to win tomorrow night. <laughs> I'm letting you know this so that you can enjoy yourself so that you're not devastated. You're not disappointed and you don't have to pretend that you're happy for the person who won, even though you're cracked open inside. I want you to be like, enjoy yourself, but don't be devastated. And she was like, uh, okay. So it turned out she went to the golden globe and sure enough, she didn't win, but she had a great time. And she said, for sure, it would have been awful. It would have been, it would have been really disappointing otherwise. So this is kind of a silly example of how getting a precognitive dream can help us position ourselves for when the thing itself happens so that we don't fall apart. Now, that was a really exciting situation, not at all pandemic-esque, but it, the principle is the same. It's just the one that popped well, into my head. I mean, as a kid, I used to have this reoccurring dream and I never really understood what it was until I was an adult because there was one of those deals. In this dream, I was always hiding. We, we never had like windows up high in my house. Mm-hmm. But in this dream, there were windows that were up high. Hmm. And I could see like the the shoulders and the head of a man. Only dark, you know, like a shadow person mm. with a hat on, walking around the outside of my house. And I remember in my dream, I'm hiding under the dining room table, you know, so he doesn't see me. So I go to work one day. I'm, uh, I'm already in my 30s, right? I go to work one day. I come home. They put new windows in. Mm-hmm. Right on the top of the dining room. <laughs> and I was going, wow. You know, and this dream had occurred to me like 10, 15 times as a kid. Wow. 
very cool. That's, I mean, I've never had a dark man walk around my house yet, but I mean, the, the windows were there and I, I was shocked when I came home. So how did you, what did you connect that with about like, what was the significance of that to you? I mean, I can make up, I've got some stuff that bouncing around in my head, but I'd like to hear from you first. The only thing I could think of is maybe because I had a tendency to leave the doors unlocked a lot when I was younger. Oh, I think it was a thing that, Hey, you know what, you know, once you're here alone or whatever, you know, make sure you lock the doors because these, these people are prowling around me outside. So you could have had your mom and dad tell you, lock those doors, lock those doors. But hearing, this is the cool thing about dreams because it's our own wisdom that's speaking yeah. to us. And it's harder. Well, we can rebel against everything. I mean, we could have like, I don't know, an angel show up and say, hey, brush your teeth more often. And we'll be like, eh, I mean, we can rebel all the time, but it's harder to rebel against ourselves and our own wisdom. Right. So that, that might've been, I mean, that might've been like something that saved your life, locking yeah. the doors and being yeah. more vigilant yeah. during that time. And then the kind of the cherry on top is the years later, seeing those windows in that exact way that, and it's symbolic in a way of like the, the windows were up high, they up high. Up high. Interesting. Up high the wall, yeah. So I, I, I always think that every dream we should look at every dream literally and figuratively. So right. literally this, this showed up and that's, that's cool. And, uh, but figuratively windows are a place of, in, if it were my dream, it's like windows compared to a wall. It's, it's a vulnerable place. A window is vulnerable. And it's also the, the windows of our soul are where we're, it's like, you know, they say the eyes are the windows of the soul, but it's like where we're most vulnerable is also where we see things is where we can see beyond ourselves transpersonally. So our windows are, are sacred to us. If we just lived with walls with no windows, yes, we'd feel more protected, maybe more safe, but we'd also feel shut in. We wouldn't, we would have no clairvoyance or clairaudience. So it's kind of like the wounded healer in a way. It's like the place of our great gift is also the place of vulnerability, but thank God for your ability to see because you were able then to course correct a bit. And here you are all these years later, safe, sane, and doing well. So now that you say that, it makes a lot of sense to me because as a ghost hunter, Mm -hmm. we were were talking about psychic ability. Uh I have some psychic ability. I don't, I don't use it like a lot of, like a lot of psychics do, but but I have have the ability. I I can tell when there's a male or female next to me. Sometimes I'll hear a voice or so. So maybe that's what the significance of all that was, was it it was going to be my opening, you know, my, 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 my whole psychic opening thing when I was older. Right. And it was above you. It was higher up. It's so it's anything that's up in a dream is usually aspirational or something that you put above you um, on a pedestal. Like here I am, I'm, I'm lower. I'm not, not quite on par with, but I'm seeking up there. So it's kind of over your head above you, but now you've you've grown into it so now yeah, you yeah. now that you said that that makes more um, you know it makes a lot more sense to add everything coming together this is why it's so much fun to talk about dreams because we can have the dream in our own mind and say oh yeah yeah whatever that's fine but then the moment yeah. we start finding words to express it it's like 
there's a magic that happens because those those words kind of become a bridge to to our understanding and that's to me the piece that i'm so passionate about because of course we already all dream every night three to nine right. dreams every night but what most of us don't do is talk about our dreams out loud with somebody and if we did that we would have more would be able to get more of the gold from these dreams they we wouldn't it's like we're we're discarding lottery ticket winning lottery tickets every day every time we don't you know scratch it off and and like really dig into it should people write their dreams down at least the ones they remember oh yeah that's and and technology is on our side in a sense because there's always been this 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 problem this catch 22 with writing down a dream because if we're if we're in that dream state and we start writing often what we write is kind of a scribble it's mm -hmm. it's hard to come back and read what we've written so technology is great nowadays i just press the text to the speech to text uh, in my, on my notes and most of the time i mean sometimes it it misinterprets what i'm saying cuz i'm kind of mumbling and i'm kind of you know half asleep when i do it because we want to stay on that bridge we want to stay sleepy. We don't want to wake all the way up and splash water on our face. That's a no-no. We want to stay groggy and in that dream state. So ideally, we'd we'd be able to do the speaking that that translates it to text. I mean, that's what I find. Some people yeah. love to draw a picture. Some people do draw. They do write in their journal, and and that's and I I mean I I have a dream journal that I created, the Hero's Journey Dream Journal. Here's the a little shameless plug for that it's go. it's a beautiful way to be able to capture your dreams but i usually i usually use my journal after i wake up i record it while i'm still in bed and then once i'm up then i i journal it to unpack it more deeply but it's that moment that we wake up that the dream is there and if we don't capture it then often even the most vivid elaborate important life-changing dream poof will be gone if we don't capture it right, right. the first couple minutes upon awakening. And then, of course, there's books like yours that you can go through and, and see what the meaning of these things are, right? Yes, and that's controversial. A lot of people are like, no, dream dictionaries are made by the devil. And I'm like, you know, okay, call me the devil. But I, but my disclaimer at the beginning, I have two dream dictionaries. One's called, I had the strangest dream, the dreamer's dictionary for the 21st century. And the other one is the love, sex, and relationship dream dictionary with more of a relational bent on our dreams. But I always, my, my disclaimer is the best dream dictionary in the world is your own journal because mm -hmm. you've got to refer to your own intuition first and use a book like mine or books like mine as a reference manual. If you're stumped, like if you're like, okay, there's a window in my dream and it's up high. So what am I supposed to do with that? That means nothing to me. So you look up window and it's like, oh, it's a, it's a place of vulnerability, sensitivity. I can see beyond myself. Oh, wait, that triggers something. So it's, it's meant to be something to trigger your own intuition. And if it doesn't trigger your intuition, if it's like, that's, that's crap, then at least you're one step closer to identifying what, what it does, what does resonate with you. So that's mm -hmm. a helpful thing to do after I always say, write down what you think it means first. And then pick up a book like mine to just get a little reinforcement or to get kind of a, another perspective on what it might mean for you. 
Now we talked about this a little bit earlier, but can your emotions influence your dreams? Like, like if you're having a horrible time at work or whatever, you know, and you, you go to bed that night and then all of a sudden you, you have some weird nightmare or something. Is that, is that influence from, from that day's Oh, absolutely. That's one of the most basic functions of our dreams from my experience is to help us. Like if we, if we go to sleep with just, we're so upset by, by multiple things, by the time we wake up in the morning, this is why we always say, let me sleep on it before making a decision. We'll often feel better. Even if we don't, even if we had a crappy night's sleep, I'm sorry, I'm cussing. I don't know if we can do that on this show, if we're going to get cut off, but I'll try to X nay on my potty mouth, <laughs> but <You're lying. laughs> I blame it on my grandma. She's there the one that taught me all of it. Um, but we will, will tend to feel better in the morning mm -hmm. because our dreams were helping us to, to work it out. So I like to say, if we want our dreams to be more, fanciful, more magical, then we, we would work out a lot of our stuff the, as much as we can before we go to sleep so that our dreams don't have to do a lot of the heavy lifting like that for us. They uh -huh. will and they can. But some people are like, ah, I wish I had more magical dreams. My dreams are always so mundane. I'm like, so, so clean up your stuff before you go to sleep. Apologize if you screwed up or forgive somebody before you go to sleep, make amends, make at least make a list of the things you're going to do to make things better the next day. Also, here's a trick. So I always say, if you've got unfinished business that you're going to sleep with and you're not feeling well, journal about it before you go to sleep. If you can like get some of that off your chest in, in the ways that you can. And if you need to, I'm a big fan of lists. If you need to make a list of the things that you need to do to clean up your situation and it, and you can't do it all before you go to sleep, then at least make a list for the next day or the day after of what you're going to do. And then follow that list with a gratitude list making the, and this has been scientifically proven that if you, if you make a gratitude list of about 10 things that are working well for you in your life, and no matter who you are, there's at least 10 things going well for you right now. For example, you may be breathing right now. That's kind of something cool. Put that on your list. If you have a roof over your head, oh my God, that's a blessing. If you've got food in your refrigerator, oh my God, if you've got food in your belly, if you've got one friend, if you got clothes on, if you, I mean, there's so many things. So the process of making a gratitude list before bed, it actually kicks in our oxytocin and serotonin in our brain. And it makes us, it, it relaxes us and it reminds us that we're safe and that we're actually doing better than we thought we were. More often than not, we will tend to focus on the problems. And that's part of a survival aspect of our primal, more limbic brain that's trying to always be in problem-solving mode. But the moment we switch gears into gratitude, we actually calm down and we don't have as many fight and flight hormones going on and we get a better night's sleep and we'll tend to have sweeter dreams. So if you're feeling restless, having some nightmares and you want to correct it, then two lists, one list about what you're going to do to fix your situation or change it. And then the second list, gratitude about what's already working well in your life. I've heard of people having dreams where they, where, where they wake up and they're just so in that dream that, I mean, like maybe they'll see a, a family member hurt in some way or even murder, say they're the same murdered and yeah. then they end up calling the family member because they just can't shake it. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. So I even those dreams, I consider wonderful dreams because they're trying to help us correct something. They're trying to help us fix something. And if we can't shake it, then it, at the very least, here's what's what's a positive spin on that is that at least we've remembered a dream. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the ones that are the most terrifying are the easiest ones to remember. So at least we have that because we can work with that. And so my, my first, the practice that I do, and this happens to me sometimes, knock on wood, it hasn't happened for a while, but every once in a while it does, where I wake up with a really terrifying or upsetting dream. And, and what I, my, my, and if I'm not able to, to go back into the dream, like from a sleeping perspective in my waking state, I'll get out my journal and I'll say, okay, and I'll just write if I was back in my dream and I was lucid and I knew I could change things, what would I do? Or what would I, what, what is this dream about? What is this dream trying to help me with? What is it trying to show me? What do I need to course correct in my life that this dream is trying to give me a message for? And then inside the dream, how, if I, if I was fully lucid, how would I work with this? How would I change it? Um, can I give you an example? Sure. Of Absolutely. This is a little gnarly, um, but I, um, and I've talked about this with George and Ori before, so you might've heard me talk about this, but one of, what's that? I may have, go ahead. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just one of the most terrifying dreams I had, which was about um, being chased by this murderer. And um, I, and he was killing everybody, everybody in this town. It was like the movie Cape Fear. For some reason, that's, I called the dream Cape Fear. And know. everybody was getting shot, chopped, whatever. It was just like the whole town. And I was the last one. And I hid behind, uh, behind a bush. <laughs> it was all that was available. And he saw me and he was coming toward me. And I woke up right before he was about to get me. And I knew like the next second I was going to be dead. So I didn't, I wasn't able to go back inside the dream lucidly, but in my waking state still connected to that dream, I, I really struggled with how to change this dream in my mind. I couldn't figure out how to do it. It was so upsetting. So I did something I very rarely do because I don't, I'm not a gifted drawer. I'm not, I'm not artistic in that sense. I like to write I'm good at writing, but I'm not so good at drawing. But for some reason, I was led to draw a picture of this dream and I did it in stick figures. And what I was able to see from the drawing is I had drawn all the people that were dead and they were all stick figures that blah, with blood, like, you know, like just kind of like a, a five-year-old's drawing. But I noticed that they all, all the dead people had this kind of line that took them up to like heaven. Mm -hmm. And the only one in the picture that didn't have a line, like a cord going up to heaven was the killer. So I was able to look at this and say, oh, so his umbilical cord to higher love to God, whatever has been severed. That's why he's acting so abhorrently. He's trying to get the energy that he's not getting from his higher source. He's trying to like a vampire get it from everybody else. Okay. So if this is my dream and I can direct it the way I want, what would happen if I plugged him back in? So in my kind of meditative dream state, I, I plugged him back into the motherboard and I saw this like jolt of electricity go through the line and zap him 
And it was like lightning struck him. And in my imagination connected to the dream, he woke up from this stupor that he was in and was like, whoa, what was all that about? Almost like it was a blackout drunk kind of a thing. Like he wasn't, hadn't been aware of what he was doing. And he obviously looked around and saw the mess that he had made and knew, oh my God, I've got a lot of cleaning up to do. But I was no longer afraid. Uh-huh. I knew that I had corrected the situation, not put a bandaid on it, but I had corrected it. And I was left with an incredible feeling of empowerment because I, it made me realize everyone in my life that had ever been horrible to me, they probably were unplugged. And what about the times when I've been horrible to other people? Oh my God, that's the, that's the bitter pill to swallow because everybody in the dream is an aspect of self. So that was the hard part. Like, Oh, how am I like that guy? Oh my God. Wow. When I feel unplugged, if I don't meditate, if I don't do my spiritual work, it's easy to get unplugged in this world. So I'm a monster. If I'm unplugged, Uh we're all monsters if we're unplugged. And the antidote is not to, it's like Einstein said, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. You have to go beyond it to the solution and plug in. So that's been a metaphor for me ever since then. It's been so empowering. So that was a kind of an example of transforming a a horrible nightmare into something that's actually empowering to me. And we can all do this with any of those really terrifying nightmares. We just have to use our creativity and ask the question, how will I finish this dream? If I'm in control, what do I do to finish this dream? It's funny. You should talk about the plug because I have a friend who does healing and um, her thing is that uh, we, we, we can overload our circuits and our circuits get out of balance and stuff. And with you saying that, I was like, wow, that's the same thing. Just yes. About- Right. Overloading the circuits, and then you have to go back in and reset all the circuits to get back on track because your body's not sick. It's so, yeah, it's so true. Because if we're if our circuits are overloaded, then we're not operating, we're not functioning well. Then we're kind of just sputtering along. And if we're sputtering along, we're not doing anybody any favors. If we're spreading ourselves so thin, then it's kind of like, no, get some sleep, honey. Have a have a TLC day because you're a little scary. (laughs) So it doesn't do anybody any good for us to run on fumes. We really need to take care of ourselves. I mean, it seems selfish, but self care may be the most selfless thing we can do. I have a question in here, and uh, what about dreams where you feel the pain of the dream when you wake up? Oh, yeah, that's. I mean, uh, the first thing I do, because I'm an optimist and I would say an alchemist of sorts, I'm always looking for what the bright side of these awful things are. (laughs) And so if we're sometimes the physical pain is actually it, it, it helps to it kind of it's like X marks the spot, like it's showing us where the energy has been stuck and maybe where it's still lodged or where it's where the the medicine is like sometimes when you're healing something, it doesn't feel good. Like if you've had a splinter for a long time and you're digging in and pulling it out, it hurts worse sometimes when you're digging in and pulling it out and pouring the, the, um, the hydrogen peroxide on it. It's like, ah, you know, but 
that's so it may be that you're that you're in the process of healing. It may be showing you this is the place in my body, kind of like this is the window to go back to your dream, Charlotte. This right. may be my sensitive place, which is also my most vulnerable place, which is where I need to shine the light and bring bring all the healing in. And so it's, I mean, I always get like, I feel everything right here. So often people are always like, why do you always touch your heart? I'm like, it's because it's this, it's a place where I, where I access, where I can, where I can feel, where I feel the pain. And I also feel kind of the love at the same time. So it's like, it helps when you can identify the physical place in the body that corresponds to the emotional imbalance or the psychic imbalance, because then we can do something about it. I mean, there's so many stories about people that like, that know there's something wrong with them and they go to the doctor and they're like, help me, help me. I was on the Dr. Oz show a few years ago with a woman who had precognitive dreams about her infant daughter. And she kept bringing the baby to the doctor and the doctor was saying, your daughter's fine, honey. You're just having some postpartum, like, like you're just spinning out. You just need to get some sleep. But she kept having this sense that there was something wrong with her baby. And the doctor said, if you don't tell us where, we can't just do exploratory surgery on an infant unless mm -hmm. you can give us a place. And so she felt in her own body and she felt this deep ache in her abdomen. And she said, it's right here. It's right here on me. So the doctor was able to go in and they actually did exploratory surgery on this infant. And they found that her intestines were like tied in a knot and she, it would have killed her. And it, it wasn't showing up on any of the equipment, but it was like, so the pain sucks. No, it's never fun to be in pain, but it might be giving a very important clue as to where to shine the light, where to do some healing. If somebody gets pushed in a dream. Mm. Pushed in a dream, like, so, like, you, you feel it like, and you're yeah, waking? Yeah, like, you feel it, yeah. And you feel like you're being pushed. Hmm. Okay, so let me, I'll just address it on, on the, just the dream level and then on the physical level. Yeah, in sure. a, I would say it depends on who's doing the pushing and if it feels like it's, um, an, like a not good thing, or if it's pushing you toward, like I, I would say most dreams we could put in one of two categories. One category is our dreams are trying to reveal what we need to let go of. So if it's a push, that's like not good, then we could say, then we could recognize this is I'm being shown that I've got somebody pushy in my life. That's, that's maybe that's directing me to go in an, in an area that's not healthy for me. So it's, it's helping to review it's information. But if you feel like you're being pushed in a positive direction, then, I mean, so our dreams are either helping us to let go of baggage or it's helping to propel us toward where we want to go. And we need a little nudge. Um, one little example, this isn't exactly the same thing, but it's related there's a woman who's actually in the, my second chicken soup for the soul book. I noticed you were putting chicken soup for the soul up. Thank yes. you. There's um, chicken soup for the soul dreams and premonitions. And then the second chicken soup for the soul book that I worked on is called dreams and the unexplainable. And in that book, there was one woman that had a dream that she was at a bar and somebody was walking toward her with a drink and she's like, Oh, Hey, that's nice. And the, and the, it was a woman that, instead of handing her the drink, she knocked her over the head with it and like spilled it on her. And she would, and she woke up from the dream, having this 
headache and her water glass that was on her nightstand was empty and it was spilled all over her. She had done it to herself. And what she heard the woman in the dream say was wake up. So it was a wake up call and she journaled, thank God, like, what do I need a wake up call about? And what she wrote down was she had been a creative writing teacher, but she had never actually written anything creative herself. She was hiding behind being a teacher and she ended up writing and writing and writing that morning. And she since changed her life. She moved. She, she lives in Mexico now. She now writes for a living and stopped. So, so I'd say a dream where there's some kind of a physical bump or a push is some kind of possibly a wake up call, whether to stop being around certain people or, or to get that nudge to move toward what we are, what would be behoove us to move toward. Okay, cool. Why do people uh, remember certain dreams and not others? First of all, it's, it's very, for most people, it's hard to remember dreams because they are slippery. I always like to say dreams are slippery little buggers. It's like, it's like catching a fish. If you're, if you're just expecting the fish to like jump in your boat, like you might get one every once in a while, but mostly you got to go after them. It's not, and most of us aren't trained to value our dreams. We, most of us in this world, and that's what I'm here to change. I'm here to try to get people to be like, whoa, I'm, I'm like letting go of diamonds and rubies every day that I don't remember a dream. Okay. That's ridiculous. I want to start to you got to value them. And then you have to go a little bit out of your way. It's a little inconvenient to wake up in the morning when you'd rather just go potty, splash water on your face, get your coffee, check social media or check the news. You have to take a moment in the morning to pay attention to some of those images that are there. And if you don't, they will go away. There's um, It's kind of like the passing of the baton. It's mostly like the limbic brain that happens sort of in the in the 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 back of the brain the the limbic aspect the emotional cortex when we wake up our prefrontal cortex that had been sleeping starts to flicker and starts to come online so if we don't if if that prefrontal cortex wakes all the way up then this part of our brain that is doing the dreaming i kind of refer to it back here uh -huh. it, it's almost like it disappears it's kind of like if the baton gets all the way past, then we've, we've missed the opportunity. And sometimes we will remember the dreams that are very vivid, very dramatic, very emotional. And those are the easier ones to catch. But if we're going to catch the ones that are more subtle, then we have to just develop a habit of having the very first thing we do in the morning, very first thing we do be to focus for just a few minutes on our dreams, at least writing it down. If we don't do that, then then we'll then we'll miss even the most life-changing dream interesting i have a question about being pushed into a dark room you a dark locked room a dark <laughs> locked room yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised you'd say that because being a paranormal i know I'm, you know what i'm a paranormal oh. investigator i'm afraid of the dark <laughs> Okay, now that's a cognitive dissonance. That's hilarious, that. Charlotte. The one with the biggest light on my head when I'm out investigating. Usually I'm behind the camera because, you know, they, 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 they've got infrared. Uh-huh. So I can see everything. You can see. that, But that is such an interesting thing. And I feel like there's, there's this is a juicy, 
thing to acknowledge our the place of our deepest fear is often where our great gift is they they happen to grow side by side so you're an example of that like being so afraid of the dark and yet you're dedicating your life to that yes. and in some way it's the same for me because i've become such a champion of nightmares because i was so terrified of them and it's one of the ways to overcome something it's like it's by by going into it and mm -hmm. And being shoved into a dark room, you know, Carl Jung, one of his quotes, and I, and I probably won't say it exactly right, but he says something about, we don't become enlightened by studying figures of light. We become enlightened by, by embracing the dark. And it's just not as, not a popular path to take because it's unpleasant. But if we really wanted to grow spiritually, we would, we would we would say, okay, what, what scares me? What are those dark rooms in my psyche? Which really, I mean, I like to think of it as like our psyche. One day I had this, I woke up from a dream that said that um, our, your, what did it say? It was something like you're either in the lack shack or the mansion of expansion. And I was able to see that those are both realities that I could live in at any moment, regardless of the outer circumstances. And and when I think about the mansion of expansion, we all, we all are these mansions of expansions where we, we've only inhabited a few of the rooms and we call that, this is who I am. Hi, I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden. I'm the dream doctor and Charlotte, Charlotte from California haunts, blah, blah, blah. Like, but that's only a couple rooms in the mansion. There's all these other rooms and they're probably dark because they haven't been inhabited. And we might think of them as haunted because we haven't, we haven't brought in the light in there yet. And maybe it is haunted and maybe there's some, but it's like we relate to the shadow mm -hmm. as if it was this one room that is dark that we're scared of. But in reality, the shadow is 99.9% .9 of the reality we have. And the shadow is really just what we haven't embraced yet. As humans, we've only embraced about 1% of reality. And we think we're so smart. <laughs> we're like, what we know could just sit on top of the head of a pin. And we're most everything is behind that door in that dark room. And, it, and dark doesn't necessarily mean evil. It might simply mean just uncovered treasures, uncovered brilliance, uncovered untapped potential resources. There could be all kinds of good stuff in there. I had a cousin because she knew I was afraid of the dark and I used to drive her nuts. And she used to tell me, she used to say, you know what? Look at those dark spaces and, and fill them with, with things that make you happy. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love it. I, there's um, a quote about how strangers are friends we haven't met yet. Mm -hmm. And we would grow more quickly if we related to this universe as a friendly place. Now that doesn't mean that there isn't some yucky stuff. I mean, as you know, as a paranormal investigator, there are some horrible energies that have not had a chance to get saged and get cleansed and like find their way to the light. Kind of like that, that, that being that was chasing me in my dream. It, it was like a stuck energy that was acting out, but it just hasn't had a chance to, to move like anything, any, if, I mean, imagine if you were locked in a closet your whole life and somebody finally let you out, you'd be like, ah, <laughs> you know, we would have fangs and we would not 
be cute. We would look like monsters. Yeah. So that's kind of like our, and we're lovely people. We're nice, but you know, you got to clean them off and give them a shower and, you know, a pedicure or something. <laughs> what do you say to people that, you know, want to remember their dreams? People that want to remember their dreams, yeah, but maybe don't. Trouble. Maybe don't. Yeah. There's so many little sneaky hacks that we could do to remember dreams. So here's one of my favorites. Um, if you get in the habit of no matter what, whether you remember something in a dream or not, write you like write down in your dream journal or in your record at your phone or in your dream pad something that you're thinking about first thing in the morning. So just get in the habit of writing down something. So we're always thinking something there. We always have a first thought and there's value. Even if it's not a dream that we remember, there's some thought that is a bridge thought that, de that deserves our attention. So at least get in the habit of writing that down. If you get in the habit of writing down something first thing in the morning, eventually it's going to be a dream. And sometimes you might think, and this happens to me sometimes, I, I an alarm or, or my dog wakes me up and I miss the dream, but I'll write something down and without realizing it, the dream will pop in. Mm -hmm. So it helps if you write something down. Another little hack is to set your alarm. If you have to wake up to an alarm, set it 15 minutes to 30 minutes before you actually have to wake up and snooze it. As you're, so you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, man, oh, I can snooze it. I still have a few more minutes and you forgot your dream. But when you go back into the snooze sleep, you're not going as deeply as you were before, but go in with the intention that you're going to remember something about the dream that you're having when you go back into that light sleep that happens in that early, like in that right before you wake up stage. So that's, a, those are a couple of things that you can do. Also, it helps. I always, here's like a shameless plug. It helps to get excited about dreams. Right. And one thing that I, a lot of people told me when they started reading my books, especially like the chicken soup for the soul books, dreams sure. and premonitions or dreams in the unexplainable, because you read these stories of people whose lives changed, people who met the love of their life, people that, that won the lottery, people that healed from a major illness or, or connected with a departed loved one, you get a little jealous of these people that had these amazing dreams. So it tells you, wow, I got to remember mine. I wonder what I'm in a dream tonight. So that's, if you're, if you want to read something before you go to sleep, these are some good ones to read. Also my book, it's, um, it's all in your dreams is a good one to read as well. There's some really cool stories and techniques for dream recall in there as well. I have one more question for you. And, uh, I think this is on everybody's mind. How can we connect with loved ones in our dream? Can, can, can we, can we initiate that ourselves? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things that I like to say. First of all, you, there's, there's not an exact science to it, but here's, it's like control your controllables. So here's okay. what you can do. You can set a really strong intention before you go to sleep. I call this a dream declaration. And your dream declaration is that you're going to remember a dream upon awakening and you would like it to be. And so this is kind of a prayer that you do before you go to sleep. And you might want to light a candle that you, of course, blow out before you go to sleep. You might want to get a picture of that person or something that symbolizes them, a feather or um, a saint or some or a rock or something that represents them that's physical. And you put that on. And if it's something that belonged to them, ooh, even better. 
put that on your nightstand if you can touch that. And your prayer is, if you are available to reveal yourself to me, because I know you're doing all kinds of stuff in the afterlife. I mean, you might need to be where you're at, not giving me a message right now, but if you can, I would really love to get a message from you. And I trust that it will happen in the perfect time. So you make a very clear request and then you let it go. You let go of your attachment and then you simply go to sleep and you recall the dream, whatever dream you're having as you wake up in the morning, even if it doesn't seem related to them, write it down anyway, because you might be surprised that it does that if, but you've got to, you, it's like, just be a dutiful secretary. That's just writing down what you get without evaluating it and then do some journaling later upon like once you're, once you have your coffee, do some journaling about what is this dream? What, what might it be telling me? And you might be surprised that it is connected to that person, even if it's not them physically, like right. not physically, but them, their body in the dream. It might be an animal that represents them. It might be food that they liked. It might be something else that is related to them. And that counts. So I hope that helps. Now you're standing on a street in Las Vegas in front of your office. Okay. And the other one, it's like a district for uh, doctor, dream doctors. You know, oh. So you want to bring people in to aid it, into your office or in to read your books. How do you get them to come in? Ooh. <laughs> oh, my God. That is such an – nobody has ever asked me that question before, Charlotte. That is that's so thought-provoking. Wow, I'm on Dream Doctor Row in Las Vegas and I'm standing out in front and everybody's there. I, you know, all I know is the only thing that comes to me is there's something about my excitement about the dreams. Like I think some people pathologize, that's a big word that means to make somebody feel like they're crazy because of their dreams or there's something wrong with them. And I tend to truly see our dreams as an aspect of ourselves that is, is really healthy. And even if the dream comes in, in a very strange package, it's to be celebrated. It's, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a miracle. And to approach the dream in that excited way, like a little kid on a treasure hunt. And I think that gets the dreams that and I think the dreams are more apt to speak to us, just like the ghosts on the other side. If you're interested in them, they're going to be more interested in you. Sure. sure. So it's like you're, I think the passion is, is the thing that, that draws the attention. And I think if we take one step toward our dreams, they take a hundred steps toward us. And I think it's true of ghosts as well. Yeah. You tell me, yeah. <laughs> but I, that's the first thing that comes to me. I mean, I don't know. I might want to, in a dream I had a few nights ago, I was on stilts and I had like silks and there was this whole like fire hooping thing. So maybe I would bring in some of my friends to do some fire hooping and some stilts and <laughs> I might do some like Cirque du Soleil stuff in front of my booth. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, I agree with you though. I agree with you with that, uh, that whole thing about drawing the dreams in. You know, yeah. where the people are, where, where, whoever, whatever you're dreaming about, more open. It's like that with ghosts. You notice, like even on, on paranormal teams, when they go out, the people that are more open-minded to the stuff are the ones that have the experiences, and the ones that are closed-minded 
are, are, are those debunkers that never have an experience and they're running around going, oh, no, 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 this is because of this, because of this, because of this. And I, you know, you have to have the debunkers to balance. I mean, that's the, yeah. the, that's the truth. But if, if you look at the patterns, like I've been doing this for a long time, and, and the people that have the experiences are the ones that are open-minded and more and more welcoming to the stuff happening. Right. It's very true. Yeah. I think so. that's it. Yep. I would go into your shop if there was a psychic row in Las Vegas amid all of the other flashing lights. I'd be like, I'm going to go hang out with Charlotte, California <laughs> haunts. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. It was terrific. I had a blast. It was so fun. The time flew. Where did it go? Oh, my no, God. That was a, that was a so dream. Time. Thank I would you, Charlotte. I would love to come on again at some point to talk more about this. I mean, this is so fascinating. I'd be, I'd be so happy to. Thank you That's for having great. me. Thank check Thank out you. check out the um, police museum, the Los Angeles Police Museum, and Misha Walden. She's she's an amazing one. She's very tapped into those ghosts, and there's a lot of them in L.A. So I mean, you're in California, so you got to come and check it out. Absolutely. How can people find you? Oh, good question. My website is kellysullivanwalden.com. And if that's too hard to spell, you can go to IHadTheStrangestDream.com. And that takes you to all my all my places. I'm in the midst of doing an, um, a really cool program through the Shift Network. And even though we've already started it, it's, they're still accepting enrollments and people can get the, the past courses. And um, the name of the course is The Way of the Awakened Dreamer. And it's seven dream practices to reconnect you with your soul and your wildness. The The short URL to get there is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash awakened dreamer. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And your books, Amazon or where can we get them? All of those places. Yeah, Amazon. Um, and on my website, you can see where they they all are. The newest one is called Luminous Humanness. And that's okay. um, that one came out less than, I don't know, a few months ago. And it's a perfect book for January because it's a day, it's a book that you read every single day. Um, yeah. So that's, and then I've got some apps that are available as well. The Hero's Journey Dream Oracle app and also Luminous Humanness, a meditation app. Okay. Thank you so much again. And uh, I had a blast. It was fun. Thank you. Thank, thank, you, thank you, you so me. much, Charlotte. Thank you so much and sweet dreams. You and too. I can't wait to wait to connect with you again soon. Sounds good. You have a good evening. You too. Bye. All right. That was fun. I, I love talking dreams and she is fantastic. That's the, they don't call her the dream doctor for nothing. Tomorrow night, 6 30 PM Pacific, same time, same place. We've got, we're changing gears a little bit. Uh, we're going to have taxidermist Ken Walker on. Ken Walker is an award-winning taxidermist, but the kicker part of it is he's not just uh, he's not just fixing Fido or, what, or, or, or whatever you happen to be hunt, hunting. Mr. Walker does extinct animals, so he has won awards on on, on making saber tooth tigers and stuff like that. The main thing is is there is now a um, documentary on him called Big Fur because Mr. Walker has studied the Patterson get the the Patterson film of Sasquatch. And he decided that he wanted to build a Sasquatch. And so he did. He crafted the thing from foam and he, and he made it based on the measurements in the Patterson-Gimlin film. So it'd be interesting to see what he has to say about that. But uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I've seen it. I've, seen, I, I've even seen the documentary Big Fur. And it's pretty tremendous to, to watch him build this thing. So uh, he's going to be on tomorrow with us at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. 
If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five people. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Again, you can check out all our shows at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. Or if you were on YouTube and you liked it, please, please subscribe. We're looking for subscribers. And you see the ticker running along the bottom. Well, that's because we're a nonprofit organization. I'm a non- I run a California Haunts nonprofit. And so everything you see here comes out of my pocket, whether it's the computer, the mics, uh, the lights, cameras, action that you see, and um, <laughs> and uh, the stuff for the paranormal group, too, to operate, you know, all of our equipment. So it all comes out of my pocket. So I want to keep doing this show. I love doing this show. I love bringing stuff to you guys, you know, to, to learn on. And uh, if you could find it in your heart to donate, that would be great. At uh, You can do that at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you don't like PayPal, you're not comfortable with it, I, we also have a Venmo. Just go into the Venmo and type in California Haunts. But like I said, we you know we are nonprofits, so we want to keep these shows coming to you. Uh, so you can enjoy them, and so I can enjoy them, because uh, I'm a journalist, photojournalist by trade, and I just, I just love talking with people about different topics. Anyway, I want to thank you guys. I'm going to go ahead and run... Um, Excuse me, I'm going to go ahead and run Kelly's information so you know where to where to contact her and what book she's got out there. And uh, then we'll call it night. Websites, kellysullivanwalden.com. And the other one is dreamlifecoachtraining.com. And, of course, the book we were looking at was Chicken, Chicken Soup of the Soul, Dreams and Premonitions. However, there's other books like Chicken Soup of the Soul, Dreams, and right, you can see all those. It's all about your dreams. I had the strangest dream. Love, sex, and relationship dream dictionary. There's the the dream dictionary itself and the hero's journey. And, of course, you can get hold of her books at Amazon.com. Again, I want to thank you guys for coming, and I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And we're going to be talking with Ken Walker about his creation of a Bigfoot. Have a good one.